There are a ton of big names in our week two MLB season recap and even a little Akil Badu in there as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's Stinging Corners. Welcome, everyone, to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Nate, and today we are doing our MLB Week 2 recap. So last week, we did Week 1, opening week. Um, It seemed to have gone over pretty well the way I did it, so we are going back and doing it the exact same way this week. We'll be recapping one guy, division by division. Um, I hope you enjoy it, so let's, uh, let's get into it. So, 2021... Week two recap for the MLB. Um, pretty incredible re- week. I will try to not talk too much about the Brewers rotation, but there is going to be some talk about the Brewers rotation because it has been as unbelievable as my entire life. I've been wanting a good rotation. You know, we have the Cardinals who are always good. You have got a number of other teams outside of the division that are always good. And I'm always like the best two pitchers that the Brewers have ever produced in my life. Ben Sheets, Giovanni Gardo. Good, not great, right? Ben Sheets had one really, 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 really good year where if it was this time of year, he would probably won Cy Young. Or this this era of baseball, he would probably won Cy Young, but back then didn't have enough wins. Um, Otherwise, Giovanni Gardo is like a mid-three ERA guy that never exploded past that uh, perfectly fine third starter, but nothing more than that. And those are the two best pitchers. So the Brewers being absolutely dominant right now, it's been super, super fun. So I'll try not to get into it too much, but let's get started. Normally, I would have a um, little segment at the beginning. Um, This week, I couldn't come up with anything good. So instead, we're always going to have this, and it's going to be our Akil Badu update. Because Akil Badu, you'll know I talked about him last week. Um, I said, look. $205 $205 is absurd. It's a fun story. I don't know if he can keep it up. Um, I would not spend that much money on it. Some people didn't love that take. Understandable. You know, you like the good story. There's no reason he can't keep it up. His hard hit rate, his barrel rate, you know, he's spreading the ball around the field. It's been amazing. Um, he's hitting tanks out the opposite way. That being said, the reason I said I wouldn't pay that price is because $205 is absurd for um, a guy that was just you know, 10 bucks, like two months earlier. That's the reason. And so let's, uh, we'll update him every single week, see what he did and look at his prices. so We can keep track of this rule five fever with the rest of us. So Akil Badu is now up to eight games on the season with 25 plate appearances. He's currently hitting 391 with a 400 on base and 1,043 slugging, not 1,043 OPS, 1,043 slugging. Um, Obviously you'd like to see that uh, on base percentage, a little bit higher than the average. You know, nine nine points is not much. At the very least, you'd want it to be 30 to 40 points higher. Um, so would like to see him take a couple more walks. If he's not taking walks, once he gets figured out, it's going to get pretty bad for him. Um, that being said, two more home runs this week. He's up to four on the week, one double, one triple. Barrel percentage of 22.2%, which is good, and a hard hit rate of 44.4%, which is really good. It should be mentioned that all of these stats 
our Wednesday stats. So none of the games from Wednesday count into these stats. So for some people like Byron Buxton, he had a home run yesterday. It's not going to be in these stats. Just keep that in mind. Um, Corbin Burns stats are because I watched that game. So you can see the price over here. Akil Badu, last week when we did this video, he was up to $205. This week, his last auction with shipping ended at $162. So while he did well this week, his prices went down because it's just impossible to keep up that hype when the price goes up that high. Uh, I don't care what he does. He could hit another two home runs this week. I don't think his price is going to go back up to 205 In fact, it might continue to the drop, which is why I brought up the point that $205 was absurd. Didn't matter what he did. Doesn't matter how good he might be going forward. Price goes up that quick. You better. And, and he had some very significant moments. Home run in his first at bat. Grand slam in his second game, walk-off single in his third game. If he doesn't keep up those type of moments, if it's just a random home run in the third inning of a game or, you know, whatever else it might be, his prices will not stay. And you're watching it drop already. We dropped $43 in the last week. Um, and we'll see how far it drops next week. Maybe it goes up if he does some more amazing moments. But for right now, you can't bank on that. And $205 was absurd. 162, probably still absurd, um, considering he's got 25 plate appearances in eight games, and they probably played uh, 11 games so far, maybe 12 games. So there's your Akil Badu update. Now let's move on to the divisional recap. So like we did it last time, we'll start AL. We'll go all the way through the AL, AL East, AL Central, AL West, NL East, NL Central, NL West, and we'll get you on your way here on this Thursday afternoon Thursday evening, wherever you're watching it. So AL East, and we've got Rafael Devers. So Rafael Devers, uh, if you're just looking at home runs, was hotter than anybody on the planet this week. Um, and I took stats. You can go on to Fangraphs, and you can take stats from specific date to specific date. So I took from last the April 8th, which I believe was last Thursday, through yesterday. But, of course, the stats weren't updated for yesterday's games. So, cup of, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt there or whatever the saying is. So Rafael Devers, five games, 20 plate appearances. He hit 438 with a 550 on base and 1,375 slugging. Um, obviously, anytime you have a 1,900 OPS, you're probably doing pretty well for yourself. And he had five home runs last week. He had no doubles. He had no triples. He barely had any singles. But when he made contact, he was hitting them a long way. Uh, five home runs, pretty incredible for any any player. Um, you got guys that don't hit five home runs in a month, you know? And Rafael Devers hit five home runs in a week. I mean, the season's, what, five months long? So five home runs every month, you're at 25 home run hitter. And he just hit five in a week. So that's absurd. Rafael Devers, as hot as anybody. On the season, though, you know, he hit 438, 550, 1,000. 375 last week on the season though he's only hitting 257 with a 366 on base and a 686 slugging which obviously is really good it's over a thousand ops but compared to his last week his last week really increased his batting line first week not so great last week amazing um one issue zero doubles zero triples on the year so his five home runs are his only extra base hits now obviously if you're looking at a guy two weeks into the season and he has three doubles and two home runs, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good season. You look at a guy with five home runs and no other extra base hits, and you're like, ooh, 
I don't know why. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I like to see those extra base hits in there along with the home runs because sometimes I feel like home runs are a little bit lucky. You hit doubles, home runs are pitched to you, right? You hit triples, you hit doubles, home runs are pitched to you, at least in my mind. Um, most guys can't just take any pitch and hit a home run with it. They have to have a good pitch, whereas you can take most bad pitches and hit doubles, triples down the line in the gaps, right? And we're looking at price here at $70. I didn't do this for everyone, but last week on the 8th, his Topps Chrome Rookie PSA 10 was $70, and this week the last sale was with shipping was $103. So pretty hefty rise for his five-home run week, uh, $30 there. Um, very, very, very solid uh, price increase for Rafael Devers and the Boston Red Sox. Next on the list is... Byron Buxton. So Byron Buxton at one point had seven straight games with an extra base hit. I believe he made it to eight, um, which is pretty incredible. And he at least has 11 extra base hits in 10 games or 10 extra base hits in nine games. Do not quote me on that. You better look it up for yourself because I'm not 100% uh, remembering that. So... Whatever it is, it's amazing. He's getting, when he's making contact, he's making big-time contact. We're talking doubles. We're talking triples. We're talking home runs here. So last week, specifically, four games, 20 plate appearances, he hit 556 with a 600 on base and a 1,056 slugging, uh, two home runs, three triples. Of course, I'm pretty sure he, he hit a home run and a double yesterday. So this, not only would the numbers be better, but also he would have, three home runs, and four doubles in the week, not just what this is. So his stats even look a little bit better than what they are on this screen. So that was incredible for him. Um, on the season, uh, he's been magnificent, a 5.6% walk rate, a 16.7% K rate, um, 5.6 walk rate. You want it a little bit higher, but with that 16.7% K rate and how hard of contact he's making, perfectly fine with the 5.6% walk rate. A 476 BABIP, and I only bring this up because it's ridiculous to bring the BABIP up early season because obviously nobody's going to hit 556, 600, 1,056. Nobody ever will hit that. Um, nobody's going to hit 400, not with the movement that pitchers do today. Not If you watch Pitching Ninja, you'll watch Dustin May and Corbin Burns and guys like that pitch yesterday. Nobody's going to hit 400 either. So the only reason I bring up a 476 BABIP is to show you that um, it is high, obviously. Wanted to point it out, but with how hard he's hitting the ball, it's not like absurd. His expected weighted, his expected on base percentage, and his expected average and his expected slugging are all sky high. His expected average was over 400, right? So, um, while 476 is absurdly high, and you know. You can't take any of that seriously. It's also not one of those things where I'm like, oh, look, we're two weeks into the season, 476. Oh, this is going to digress. Of course it's going to digress. I've seen people all the time point this crap out two weeks into the season. It's like, yeah, if he's running a 476 BABIP uh, two months into the year, you should point it out because some people might not realize that this is going to trend in the wrong direction because he's been lucky for a couple months. You point it out two weeks, everyone knows that this is going to trend in the opposite direction because a 556, 600, 1056 slugging, impossible to keep up. 
Um, but you look down there, barrel percentage, 26.9%, and hard hit rate of 65.4%. And this is why I bring up this BABIP and hard hit rate and his expected uh, averages and sluggings and stuff is that he's hitting the ball so hard when he makes contact. He's not striking out, and he's hitting the ball so stinking hard um, that it will be really fun to watch him play this year and see where he can end up. Because while he's not going to hit what he did this last week, uh, you might look up and be like Byron Buxton MVP at the end of the year, the way he's hitting the ball because he is striking it hard. He just has to stay healthy. He has not stayed healthy yet. And oddly enough, it's hard to find Byron Buxton cards on eBay for PSA 10s. Um, he's in that weird like 2015, 2016 era. The Corey Seager, the Byron Buxton, the Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant era where cards are kind of like weird uh, to get. Um and they don't really go up in price very much, no matter how well they do. And so, like a Topps Heritage rookie PSA 10 Byron Buxton, 190 bucks. I bet the pop report on this thing is minuscule. I should have looked it up for you. I didn't. I bet the pop report is minuscule. It's hard to find like Bowman Chrome cards. It's hard to find Topps, um, Topps Chrome cards and stuff. So do your do your digging if you want to get into it. But be forewarned, it's hard to get some of these cards. And uh, it's hard to find prices. So Byron Buxton, $190 for a Topps Heritage PSA 10. Pretty hefty price considering you probably could have got him for like $70 before the season. That being said, um, the pop report is probably so tiny. Moving on, AL West. And, of course, we've got Michael Trout. Could have gone Shohei Otani as he's been hitting tanks lately. But we had to go Mike Trout because, you know, Mike Trout is Mike Trout. He's played five games, 22 plate appearances last week, a 368 average with a 455 on base and a 789 slugging. Uh, obviously, really good numbers. Two home runs and two doubles. For the season, though, he actually has a better season OPS than he did last week OPS, which is absurd. He had such a good week one. On the season, he hit he's hitting 368 with a 510 on base and a 763 slugging. 510 on base for Mike Trout. I am so excited to see what Mike Trout can do this year in his age 29, age 30 season. Um, you know, he, he got gypped of 100 games last year. You're trying to chase Barry Bonds and Babe Ruth wins above replacement record, and you get gypped 100 games in one of your prime seasons. That stinks. Uh, disappointing for all baseball fans. Disappointing for Mike Trout. Disappointing for Angels fans. But disappointing for all of us that just really in love, love watching baseball and want to see somebody that, you know, is in our time period being one of the best of the best and, you know, not using Barry Bonds is great. Use steroids. Didn't need to was amazing on the pirates. Um, doesn't help you hit home runs, makes you stronger, keeps you on the field, whatever. We're not going to get into it, but Mike Trout really want him to just absolutely dominate these next couple of years to make up for that lost season because, you know, a hundred games for Mike Trout, he's played what 10 games and has a, one win above replacement, 100 games from Mike Trout. You know, that could be 10 wins above replacement, depending on how well he's doing. Obviously, he's probably not going to be that high, maybe six wins above replacement, that type of place, maybe five. Um, but even so, you look down at the end of the end of his career and he's missing five wins above replacement, that stinks. So uh, happy to see him playing well. Already had a win above replacement on the year. He's like third in the major leagues for Fangraph's war. Uh, really cool to see. Now you look over here and I've got his Mike Trout tops update 2011 PSA 10. And I took the average of the last two prices sold 
um, on April 11th, and they came out to $4,790. You'll notice that that's actually lower than what they got up to this offseason, $5,000, a little bit above. And so even with how hot Mike Trout's been, his prices are still kind of dropping a little bit. And so that's the thing you're going to see with baseball, especially in the early going, which is why for me personally, if I was um, any money, I'm sticking into baseball cards because I like to buy a card here or there or a box of cards. It's got to be Bowman Chrome prospects for me because you're looking at a dude who is absolutely dominant and his price is dropping a little bit. So I'm either going after like Bowman Chrome guys or I'm going after guys that were injured like Eloy Jimenez or um, a Jordan Alvarez from last year injured and is hitting pretty well. So that's all I got on Mike Trout. That's all I got on the AL. Let us move on to the NL with the NL East. And we have none other than Mike Trout Light, Ronald Acuna Jr. Five games last week, 24 plate appearances. He hit 579 with a 625 on base and 1,158 slugging. Um, absolutely incredible week from him. Every time I look up, I feel like Ronald Acuna is hitting an extra base hit, um, which is really nice to see because you'll remember when we did a um, buy, sell, hold Acuna to T Soto, I said Acuna is my best value. Um, I would buy them all, but for value-wise, Acuna was the best value because he was the cheapest. He was around $200 for a PSA 10 tops update. How could you pass that up when the other guys were over 300 at the time? And so he's been amazing. Two home runs last week, three doubles, one triple. On the season, though, 429 with a 490 on base and an 881 slugging. Good for five doubles, one triple, four home runs. Uh, 10 extra base hits in the first two weeks of the season is absolutely incredible. We're going to look up and he's going to have 100 extra base hits this year and probably like 30 stolen bases um, and good defense and an MVP award, right? That's how good Ronald Acuna is right now. 12.2% walk rate to a 14.3% K rate. His line drive rate is up a little bit, 25%, which is really nice to see. Um, and his fly ball rate is a smidge down. His ground ball rate is a smidge up, but his line drive rate was uh, 3% higher than it was last year. And his soft contact is way, way down. So his hard contact is up. His medium contact is up. His soft contact is down. And when you're hitting line drives more and you're hit, hitting harder, that is a recipe for success. And so a lot of people were down on Ronald Acuna because he had like a 900-some OPS last year, but it was disappointing because he only hit like 260, maybe a little bit lower than that. Well, you're looking at a guy who's coming back for a vengeance. Even though he didn't have a bad year, you're looking at a guy who's coming back with a vengeance. And if you didn't get in, get in now. $267 is probably the cheapest you're going to see it for a while. Um, you should have gotten in at 210 like you see over here on the left side of the page, it was 210, I believe, at this around 210 at the start of the season, and now it's almost up to 270 for his tops update PSA 10. Um, a pretty healthy rise in price there. But if you listened to me a couple weeks ago, definitely should have bought in then. But if you didn't, I think there's still a buying opportunity now. How high can these go? Considering the pop report is like 16,000 for a PSA 10, I don't know. Um, but I think they can probably get over 300, maybe to 325, 330. Um, how much higher can they get than that? Not a hundred percent sure there. Um, they're not going to get to Mike Trout $5,000 levels, 
um, just because the pop reports on these bad boys are insane. It's only going to get worse. Top series one from this year, so produced. Um, the only saving grace you have there is that the corners are so bad on them that, you know, it's probably going to be like a 25% pop rate on like Alec Baum, right? So Acuna, sorry, Acuna, I know better. I know better. I still say Acuna. I should be saying Acuna because there is that umlaut or whatever you say above the end. And uh, I'm sorry to everyone who has to hear me say Acuna every single week when, in fact, I know better. So Ronald Acuna Jr., amazing. The first two weeks of the season, and I cannot wait to see him keep it up. We're talking MVP potential here. On to, actually, you know what? We're going to move on. We're going to go to the NL West first, and then we're going to come back to Corbin Brandt so we can end it out there. And so the NL West, we've got Trent Grisham. So Trent Grisham was finally healthy. He missed the first week of the season. Well, he's back, and he is absolutely incredible. Four games, 19 plate appearances. He hit 400 with a 526 on base and 1,067 slugging. Three home runs and a double in his first week of action for the Padres. With Fernando Tatis out, that is exactly what they needed. They needed somebody to step up big time. And Trent Grisham, arguably their second best player, really, really did. Now, allow me to complain a little bit. Um, I'm going to complain a little bit, and I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. So bear with me. Number one, the Brewers. Very good pitching staff, hitting, getting there a little bit. Problem is... We have Luis Rice, who is not hitting. He had a, a three-run double and a big home run the other day, so he's had a couple big hits lately. But Trent Grisham was a brewer. He lets the ball go under his glove in the wild-card game against the Nationals, and the Brewers trade him, probably because you know it's just hard to keep that guy there when he has such a big mistake for your team in the playoffs when you are tied. Josh Hader on the mound, hold nine yards. Best thing that ever happened to the Padres was that, well, James Shields is the best thing that ever happened to the Padres with that Fernando Tatis trade. But then after that, Trent Grisham misplaying that ball was the best thing because apparently the Brewers had to get rid of him, and so they traded him and took on Luis Urias. Now, how much better would the Brewers be, especially because we're dealing with injuries, Yelich injured right now, Kane on the IL. How much better would the Brewers be if they had Trent Grisham? You'll notice his card says Trent Clark because he changed his name. Um, but if they had Trent Grisham, they didn't pay Jackie Bradley Jr. that money, and then they took the money that they paid Jackie Bradley Jr., and they paid like a Marcus Simeon or an Andrelton Simmons to play shortstop instead of Orlando Arcia or Luis Urias, and this team would be in a significantly better spot right now, especially because we wouldn't have traded Zach Davies and picked up Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer, who has not been good. Zach Davies, who rough couple starts the season this year, but was amazing last year. You add Zach Davies to that rotation of Corbin Burns, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Zach Davies. That is really, really nice. Um, so a little bit unfortunate there in that he had that error and the Brewers probably just felt like they had to trade him. Great for the Padres because this dude won a gold glove last year. You know, he's not going to hit high averages. He's probably going to hit 260, maybe 270, but the dude's probably going to have gold glove defense in the outfield and 30-plus home runs, um, and that is an absolute star. You know, that's a five-win-above-replacement guy to go along with all the other amazing guys they have, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, obviously, and um, very exciting. You'll look over here, and this is where I'm going to toot my own horn. Trent Clark, Bowman Chrome Auto, 125 bucks. 
a couple years ago, I I I think I wrote something, but it might have been it might have been a uh, slab stocks graph, or it was a podcast. I don't really remember. It was a number of years ago, but at the time, this card was eight bucks, eight dollars. I brought it up, and some dude comes into the comments and says, "You're an idiot. Nobody's buying Trent Clark autos." Talk about something real. And sure, at the time, he wasn't really a prospect, blah, blah, blah. Well, now you're looking at it, and it's $125. And I hope, now this is very mean, but I hope that guy feels like an idiot because uh, he was just like, oh, $8. I don't even look at $8. I'm too good for $8. And now his $8 could have turned into $125 like two years later. Um, incredible, incredible rise for Trent Grisham. Obviously, he was the 15th overall pick a number of years ago by the Brewers, struggled in the minors mightily, figured it out, and has figured it out ever since. He's been incredible. So um, shout out to that guy, and shout out to Trent Grisham for the $125. Now let's move on to the NL Central. I wanted to do the whole Brewers rotation because they have been absolutely incredible lately. Um Eight straight starts where they've given the starting rotation has given up one run or less, I believe, which is like the best in Brewers history. Um, and you know, all the guys, Brandon Woodruff, amazing, Corbin Burns, amazing, Freddie Peralta, amazing. But then the other two guys in the in the rotation, Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser, I was expecting them to be like fourth, maybe fifth starters, uh, four something ERA guys, but I was okay with it because the other two guys are really good. They just have to hold their own get to the bullpen. Maybe they do decently if they only have to pitch four innings, maybe five. Well, when you got two guys, three guys in your rotation, like Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, absolutely spinning gems, striking guys out left and right. I mean, Peralta has thrown uh, 13 innings on the year and has like 24 strikeouts. Like Burns thrown 18 and has and has uh, 30. Peralta's right there with him, strikeouts per nine. And you'll see this in the next slide. And so you got those two, uh, or um, Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser that are like, oh, man, if these guys are doing really good, I have to do really good. And the whole Brewers rotation has been absolutely unbelievable lately. But Corbin Burns has been the best of the bunch. He has been absolutely incredible. And we're going to show it right here. 18.1 innings on the year. 18 innings. 18 and a third innings. Four hits. He's given up one home run, one triple, one double, one single. In three starts, 18 innings, those are the only hits he's given up. He's given up zero walks. So four total base runners on the year, one run from that home run, and 30 strikeouts. Four base runners, 30 strikeouts is something I don't think I had ever seen in my entire life. And yet here we are. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff are by far the two best homegrown pitchers the Brewers have ever had, and they are here at the same time. Freddie Peralta is probably just as good as Giovanni Gallardo was, right? We talked about Giovanni Gallardo at the start. Freddie Peralta is probably just as good as Giovanni Gallardo, and up until this year, or maybe last year, um, Giovanni Gallardo was like the second best homegrown pitcher the Brewers ever had. Now, we've had a couple guys along the way. Jimmy Nelson, but then he got injured, right? Zach Davies was really good for us, but then we traded him away like we just talked about. Um, but Freddie Peralta is probably just as good as the second best pitcher we ever produced in Giovanni Gardo. And that's what makes this really, really exciting. So we're looking at Corbin Burns here. And before the season, you could have even got Bowman Chrome autos for a little less than $20.
but I uh, there was a couple that sold for 20 bucks. So I took that $20. I think that might have even been last week. And now they're up to $50, some even higher. Some were sold for $57 um, with shipping. I think it was around $60. So Corbin Burns, a very hot name. And you're looking at even more intense stuff. Orange Shimmers just, Orange Shimmer BGS95, I think just sold for like $17.50. I think that's what Aaron told me. So, you know, absurd, absurd prices. If you guys listened to me a couple weeks ago when I talked about Corbin Burns, how the defense was amazing behind him, how I was expecting huge things from him, I hope you guys bought in because he has been incredible. And to back it up, I've got some tweets for you. Um, I'm not affiliated with any of these guys in any way. Uh, I looked up Corbin Burns. I know some of them. You know, Jared Carabas is from Barstool. Kurt Hogg is from Milwaukee. Nolan Brad is from Milwaukee, right? I don't know the changeup, and I don't know Andy MLB. But there are some incredible stats on here. So let's start with Nolan Brad's tweet. Highest K per nine in MLB history. Minimum 150 pitches, 15 games started. So a pretty good chunk, not a huge chunk, not even like a full season, but a pretty good chunk of games and innings pitched. And you'll notice there Corbin Burns is highlighted in black. And he is number two on the list at 12.06 K per nine MLB history, minimum 150 innings pitched. The second on the list in all of MLB history. Of course, you'll notice number one on the list is Freddie Peralta who his, is his rotation mate. So the Brewers are st- going to be striking guys out at historic levels. And if you go down that list, you got Denelson Lamette from the Padres. You got RIP Jose Fernandez, who was absolutely unbelievable. I think he would have been a free agent this past year. Um, that dude obviously was amazing. Shane Bieber is amazing. Robbie Ray, for all his uh, walks and everything else about him, uh, strikeouts have always been there. Tyler Glass now, who's probably going to win the Cy Young this year for the AL. Chris Sale, obviously amazing. Yu Darvish, obviously amazing. So all of these guys are top 10 in MLB history for K per nine. But number one on the two on the list, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns. Um, so Corbin Burns, incredible. If we move over, the changeup. The Milwaukee Brewers starting pitcher Corbin Burns has struck out 30 batters while walking zero in his first three starts, a feat no pitcher has done since 1906. 1906 was 115 years ago. Nobody from 1906 is alive nowadays, as far as I know. Maybe somebody's sneaking in there at 115 years old, but I highly doubt it. 1906 is a very, very long time ago, and Corbin Burns is doing things that they did in the dead ball era back then, right? They probably didn't even wear mitts back then. That's how long ago it was. Jared Carabas, after today's six shutout innings with 10 strikeouts dating back to the start of last season, Corbin Burns is tied with Shane Bieber, Cy Young Award winner Shane Bieber from last year, for the best ERA in MLB, 1.73, minimum of 10 starts, and has the fourth best K per nine, 13.62, behind Shane Bieber, Cy Young Award winner, Glasnow, probably the Cy Young Award winner from this year, and Jacob deGrom, Cy Young Award winner from like the last three years. I don't actually remember if he won the Cy Young last year, but he won it like two years in a row before that. Those are three very, very good pitchers um, to be compared to. Corbin Burns breaking out. You're looking glass now, AL Cy Young, Burns, NL Cy Young. That's my guess. That's what I'm going with. Kurt Hogg says, coming into 2021, no pitcher in MLB history had struck out at least nine and walked none in consecutive starts to begin the season. Corbin Burns has done it three times. 
So he has uh, struck out nine, walked none, first game, and then did it in his second game. Nobody did that. And now he's done it again, so nobody did that. So he technically did it twice. He done the He's done the game three times, but consecutive starts, he's done it twice, right? So that's incredible. And Andy MLB says, Corbin Burns, since becoming a full-time starter on August 18th of last year, 62 innings, 11 starts, 1.30 ERA. 62 innings, 1.30 ERA. That's insane. A .74 whip. Uh, that is three-fourths of a runner per inning. Uh, he pitches 13.6 K nine, 1.9 walk per nine, which is really good. And 0.3 home runs per nine. So we're talking about a guy here in Corbin Burns that pretty good his rookie year. And then his second year, sophomore season, he had an 8.82 ERA and he was giving up home runs at a historic rate. He threw like 52 innings and gave up like almost 30 home runs. That is impossible to a guy now that is giving up no home runs. He's not even giving up hits. He's not walking guys. And it's because he completely changed his arsenal. He went from throwing a um, fastball, like a four-seam fastball all the time that graded out as one of the worst, apparently, to throwing his cutter and throwing a sinker all the time. His cutter is a 98-mile-per-hour cutter. Who throws a 98-mile-per-hour cutter? Corbin Burns, that's about it. And so you're looking at a guy, five-pitch mix. He knows how to mess with them better. He changed his fastball, and so that he throws a couple different kinds of fastball instead of his four-seamer, and he has just absolutely exploded. He's been locked in. Um, two years ago, he looked like a guy that we might, you know, be the worst pitcher in baseball and have to trade and try to get recoup some value from him and let some other team fix him. He went to the Brewers pitching lab, and now he has been absolutely incredible. Corbin Burns on the year. It's the best pitching I have ever witnessed in my entire life. No matter who you talk about. CC Sabathia, 2011, really good. I mean, there's a decent number of other guys in there. Jacob DeGrom has had great stretches and stuff. But 30 strikeouts, zero walks, four hits in your first three games, all of them going six-plus innings, that's the best I've ever seen. Best I've ever seen in my entire life. And I watch a lot of baseball. I watch a lot of baseball. And then you add on Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and all those guys, and wow, it is a very fun time to be a Brewers fan. Um, and it's also a fun time to be a lot of other fans. It's a fun time to be an Angels fan watching Otani and Trout, right? David Fletcher. It's a fun time to be a Padres fan, even if Tatis is injured because you got so many other guys. It's a fun time to dream on, be a Mariners fan and dream on the kids that are coming up in uh, Kelnick and uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez, you know? And so um, it's not just the Brewers that are having a good time, but I really am. I hope you guys are having a good time in the early going. Um, a lot of good baseball, a lot of good baseball in week two, a lot of good baseball in week one. And I cannot wait to see where the season goes. I hope the Cubs keep losing. They've been atrocious. You know, some of that has to do with facing Corbin Burns. Some of it has to do with the fact that they're just atrocious, right? Uh, Freddie, uh, Freddie Peralta, uh, Javier Baez ain't hitting. Anthony Rizzo ain't hitting. Chris Bryant's hitting. That's about the only one. Um, so maybe it's not fun if you're a Cubs fan, but, uh, Everyone else having a good time. If you're a Twins fan and you're watching that offense click and Nelson Cruz and Byron Bucks and all those guys, great time, right? Um, if you're a Tigers fan, Casey Mize just got his first win of the season. Akil Badu's been amazing. So just incredible baseball all around. There's barely any teams that aren't playing fun baseball. Maybe the Pirates. 
maybe the Royals, that type of stuff. But otherwise, it's all been pretty fun. So I hope you guys all have really enjoyed the first two weeks of the season. And thank you for watching my week two recap. And I will talk to you again next, to you, next week for week three recap.